Hi everyone, this is Thomas. This is the 14th episode of Signals. Somewhat hard to believe, but still six episodes short of number 20, a number I believe the vast majority of podcasts never reach. I suppose the verdict is still out on whether we get there or not, but we are getting closer. I have been thinking about the medium of podcasts recently because I'm consuming a fair amount of content these days via podcasts and the sheer amount of information available from podcasts is just staggering. Joe Rogan's audience reaches 11 million listeners per episode, which by comparison is much larger than cable news media channels where the top channels reach two to three million people. In fact, the New York Times announced earlier this year that they had just reached their subscriber goal of 10 million. What I think is most interesting about podcasts is the medium itself. Low barriers to entry and simple distribution to scale make it a really effective form of content delivery. And I think the relationship between the host and the audience is unique. It feels conversational and very real because you have Joe Rogan's voice in your ear talking seemingly directly to you. Another beautiful thing about podcasts is the range of content that it is surfacing. If you have an interest, a curiosity about a topic in the world today, there's very likely a podcast out there that covers it. Now, of course, low barriers to entry mean that most of the podcasts on a particular topic may not be great, but for every topic, you can find a great podcast. The fact that you are listening to Signals now, this solo, micro, truly niche podcast means I don't need to convince you that there's a lot of podcast content in the world. Signals, by the way, reaches many fewer than 11 million listeners so far. Why am I talking about the podcast landscape? Here is why. I listened to an episode of the Lex Friedman podcast recently when he spoke with Rick Rubin. Lex is a robotics engineer and podcaster, and Rick is a music producer. The episode is fascinating and struck me so hard that I'm writing a focus signal post about it. That may sound crazy, but it's actually perfectly timed and themed to help communicate the current transition underway at Point Focal. Listening to the podcast got me thinking about Rick's role taking a piece of music and polishing it so that it becomes the greatest thing that it can be. I found a lot of parallels between his music production process and a business that goes from 1 to 1.1 which is a very different path than going from zero to one. Zero to one is the hardest thing any business does, starting from nothing and creating something. The zero to one process is incredibly difficult and going from one to 1.1 is a very different transformation. Now I thought about how music artists go from zero to one creating something from nothing, an album, and then Rick will come in and help take that something, the album, from 1 to 1.1. And how both for the artist and a business, the distance traveled between 1 and 1.1 is shorter than 0 to 1, both numerically and metaphorically, but the amount of value created by moving from 1 to 1.1 can be even greater than the value generated moving from 0 to 1. So. I've written a fair bit of my next focus signal piece about this notion of how a business goes both from zero to one and then to 1.1 and what the differences are between those transformations and why they matter so much. And just as podcasting is the new method of content delivery, we have to also think about content delivery with respect to how our analytics are produced and delivered to an audience. 
There are traditional formats like applications and static reports. Then there are more modern versions of these formats that include embedded analytics, dynamic reporting, and then there are other ways to get places through things like platforms and partners, and this is the art of distribution. It is a big piece of our move from 1 to 1.1, which includes gaining scale through channel distribution. So I really enjoyed writing this new focus signal piece. In some way, it connects podcasting with writing, with product development, all within a music production thread. And because I enjoy listening to podcasts, the process of discovering new content, it's really exciting. By listening to Rick Rubin on the Lex Friedman podcast, I discovered that Rick has his own podcast, and now I've listened to a few episodes of Rick interviewing artists that I enjoy and have seen live, which has been really awesome to listen to. Also, last week, I was in New York City and met with some of the investors and advisors from Sand Hill East, who are part of Point Focal. Of course, we've met many times before, but Having engaged during COVID, we had never met before in person, so this was a lot of fun. In fact, I pitched with them. We met with a large asset manager who have a research platform. Sandhill East believes there's synergy between Point Focal and the asset manager and that together we can create a more compelling offering for their users by including our analytics. Now, this is exciting for us. As I mentioned, we want to push content into platforms to get distribution, which is much, much better than building a big sales team. In the meeting, their head of sales was explaining how so many of the conversations they're having with customers are about price compression, not an unusual topic for anyone who has tried to sell research to the buy side. And he explained how every conversation is becoming a negotiation just to prevent the customer from lowering their payment to the asset manager. Here I was struck by how it was almost assumed that this was some sort of default state or an irreversible state when in fact, I believe if conversations are repeatedly about diminishing commission revenue, you have a powerful signal that the content being delivered is not valuable enough to warrant certain payment levels. My belief is that improving the quality of the content is how you change the conversation. That is how you slow and then reverse compressing prices. Even if it means changing the content, the delivery mechanism, the experience, the workflow, whatever is required, to increase value. Then the conversations become about content instead of pricing. And that is what we plan to do by partnering with this asset manager, deliver incredibly high quality content that is unique and novel, content that is different from what their customers typically see. I think that content can be framed then as a premium offering within their platform that helps them sell more. Okay, now back to this notion of going from one to 1.1, which in some ways takes just as long as going from zero to one, but it is a very different process that requires different resources. Ultimately, it is the path to scale and momentum and leverage. And if you can put all of those things into the 1.1 product, which you couldn't put into your version one product, then you are positioning the business to scale in a really nice way. And that is what our new architecture that we've just deployed is doing for us. It is our version 1.1. Now on the topic of deployment, I continue to believe one of the advantages of being a young company early in its maturity is that when you deploy to production, things do not have to be perfect. We definitely deployed before we were completely ready to deploy intentionally. We're embracing this notion of fixing things forward, which is particularly useful when your legacy environment is itself not mature. So fixing things forward allows you to do things quicker and learn about your product faster. Now, all of this must be balanced with managing client relationships and client risk. 
ensuring your customers understand that what they are getting is faster, accelerated content delivery that will not be perfect when it gets to them. If you prepare customers properly, you can manage a lot of fallout that occurs with big deployments, which is what we have just done. We deployed to production, we communicated very clearly with customers, and as a result, we have learned quickly about the new environment, we have adjusted and set ourselves up now to really accelerate our scale and our content delivery over the next month in our new environment. We could not have done this if we waited for perfection. We would not have met our timelines if we waited to get the architecture perfectly set up. Now, as we grow, as we mature, as our client base grows, we will have to move towards a more mature deployment model where we have high confidence that everything is near perfect upon deployment. This is a natural evolution, but you do not have to trade speed for precision early in the life of a company. There aren't that many benefits to not having a large client base, so you may as well take advantage of the benefits that do exist. Okay, that's what I wanted to cover today, podcasts and going from zero to one to 1.1. I hope you found something in this episode helpful and I hope you enjoy the forthcoming focus signal post on the difference between zero to one and one to 1.1. I'll leave you with a thought about focus signal in general, which is you never know where the content is going to go, both the topics themselves and the delivery of information. Last week, a subscriber at a stock exchange told me she made her entire team read the last focus signal post, The Secret of Free Data, which is wonderful to hear, and it is part of the fun of doing all of this. If you know someone who might enjoy this Signals podcast or the Focus Signals posts, it would mean a lot to me if you took the time to share it with them. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time. Cheers.